So I'm here with Roman, Anthony, and Michael. They are seasoned street epistemology practitioners. What is, in two sentences, street epistemology? Friendly conversations about how we know what we think we know. And who do you have these conversations with? Anyone. Anyone. Yeah, anyone. Anyone who's willing to sit down and have a conversation with you. There's a lot of people who don't want to talk with you, you know, for a variety of different reasons. But if somebody is willing to talk with you, then, yeah, I think the, the SE approach can really help. And you talk to them about anything they want to talk about, or what do you talk to them about? We can talk about anything, yes. Uh, primarily, we focus on something that speaks to how the world is or how we want it to be. For me, beliefs underpin everything. And so in my everyday interactions with people, if a problem arises, whether it be a personal conflict, um, an issue at work, we're brainstorming an operational plan, no matter what it is, it's helpful just to go to the heart and take the time if we're both on board as partners to explore if um, the reasons we think that we have for being fearful of something or for go driving towards something, a solution or a problem, are they do we have reliable ways to know what's true about that? And so it's about discovering what's the most consistent and overarching explanation of the facts to help us to navigate in a more fruitful way. And do you, do you think people who use unreliable means to knowledge think they're reliable? Yes. I think a lot of people haven't given it much thought to start with. They uh, maybe they were introduced to the idea that uh, that their method for arriving at a conclusion is reliable. It's only until you start engaging with them to explore it with them that they start to reveal how they're at least thinking about it at the moment. What are common reactions when people realize they don't have sufficient justification to warrant their confidence? Aporia, reflectful Aporia. thinking. Um, some, sometimes defensiveness. You know, if you haven't built rapport, you might get some defensiveness or why are you asking all these questions? I'll usually get that. And that that makes me think that I probably hit a nerve that we've we've achieved something there. But usually if the rapport is good, they're um, they show it in their behavior. Right. You can see them thinking about it, pausing, asking for more time. But yet we live in a society that doesn't value that in fact not only does it not value that it doesn't value conversation across divides it doesn't value a thoughtful challenging discourse in which the goal would be to potentially revise one's beliefs is that true i'm not sure i wouldn't say so the culture the culture there's probably some subcultures where mm. it's like i mean i think of like a religious one comes to mind you know there's a there's a premium put on not changing your mind, especially you know in, 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 the, in, in light in the light of the realization that you don't have good reasons for thinking that it's true, that it's virtuous to believe, even though you can't back it up. Those cultures, while you can find that attitude or that disposition in traditional religions, I think there are new new religions emerging that embody that attitude. A culture of not wanting to change your mind in light of evidence. Even stronger than that, a culture of not wanting to platform people or not wanting to communicate with Nazis or people they, they view are bad people, a culture that brokers no dissent unless you agree with everything they believe in. You have some kind of, it's not that you're lacking a piece of information, but yet, but you have a moral problem. But I don't want to pontif pontificate. I, I mean, I just, I just think that people get trapped into thinking that, oh, you know, religion, you know, traditional kind of Christianity, or maybe even less traditional Mormonism, or 
but I think that the problem of trapping yourself in a belief system is certainly not unique to traditional religions. I mean, you could even do that with things like capitalism or communism. Oh, sure. We're talking about dogmatism, I think, because so it's not necessarily religion, but it's maybe dogmatism. Dogmatism, but it has to also have, and correct me if I'm wrong, some kind of cultural support. It yeah. happens in any sort of cultural group. Like you can have a whole bunch of security guards that hang out together and they will just go with the majority opinion because they value that solidarity of Correct. being together and going with what's right more than what's true. Correct. It's like a balance of pain and pleasure. There are some things that will give people comfort and there are some things that will take us away from comfort and be uncomfortable. And we tend to go with, it seems to me, we tend to go with what's the most efficient means to give us comfort. And if the comfort we're getting from the in-group, you know, social solidarity is outweighs any or well, the mm. discomfort from actually exploring and breaking free of that and exploring what's true, then it's just simpler for people to stay with that group. So I think one of the things that I've noticed now that even I try to avoid just because I just don't, I just don't want to deal with it uh, is the vaccine question. And the, the, the other reason I tend to avoid that is because I just don't have the background and I don't have the time to acquire whatever knowledge that I would need to be reasonably conversant in these things. And in fact, I just did an interview. It's why I'm in a nice shirt instead of a t-shirt. And somebody asked me in the interview about mandatory vaccines and should we not allow people to, to speak who, who, uh, or have platforms shut them down who advocate non-scientific or presumably anti-scientific things. I mean, I don't know the answer to those questions. You, you can think of a situation in your head, right? I mean, my tendency to this is to say, no, we need to allow everything. And I can also think of a situation in my head in which that would not be the case, like there's some immediacy. But that's the problem with being in a culture in which people don't want to have communication or communicate with people across the divides is you have to think of the argument for them. Like they make you do extra intellectual work because they don't want to do any, you know, this film was on cancel culture and if they don't like the idea, you, they just cancel you. So instead of engaging the hypothesis as Reed and I have talked about with the Jonathan Rauscher's, the constitution of knowledge, they just, they just kill the hypothesis, but they don't kill it. They kill the hypothesis by killing the person as opposed to, killing the hypothesis with better argument. Yeah, I just... That's a problem, yeah. I was just reading about that last night, cancelling versus criticising. Yeah, and the cancelling affects people, criticising affects ideas. I think criticism could also bleed into the, you know, you're attacking someone on the basis of an immutable characteristic, but I'm... I'm concerned, and Andrew Doyle and I, we just did, I don't know if you saw this, a couple of debates on free speech, and I took the second, we did two debates, the first one I was pro-free speech, he was anti-free speech, and the second one, I couldn't use any arguments from the first debate that he used, so I was anti-free speech and he was pro-free speech. I understand why people don't want to debate it, man, that's a very difficult position to, to argue. But we were thinking of writing a book it was going to be called Against Free Speech. I think we probably will write it. And even though we're both very much pro-free speech, and the reason is, like, I'll hear a discussion or I'll listen to something, and people will more or less be spinning their wheels because, because the people on the other side of the argument 
haven't made good arguments. They haven't made any arguments. Forget good arguments. And so unless you have those good arguments, there's nothing to latch into. And the other reason is they might actually be right, but you wouldn't know that because they don't argue. Because the only way you would know that is if they made some kind of an argument for it. And that's the other reason why I think cancel culture is so problematic is because we don't even allow people to make those arguments. Are we committing the same problem if we cancel the cancel culture? I think we are, yeah. Yeah. I think we are. But that's the problem, you know, with those questions of vaccinations or what have you, is that, and I've seen that question rip apart some otherwise close bedfellows, people who would otherwise be, be allies. I am discouraged that we're not talking to each other anymore. And I've discouraged that it's become a good thing to not talk to people who disagree with you. Because that's a value, right? Ultimately, it's just it boils down to what the value is. Is it good or bad? I don't know if it's good or bad if somebody doesn't talk to you, but it's not helpful. I would say it's bad. And I would say it's bad because it traps, it traps both you and the other person in a, a frame of reference or a worldview that may be false or at least slanted. Maybe it should be illegal to only listen to one source. You know, if you it should be against the law. When Trump sets up his new social media platform, which I think he did a deal yesterday, it should be illegal to only listen to that. Maybe that's the problem. <laughs> but then again, you're you're deferring to an an authority or an expert or a government as opposed to taking that responsibility yourself. And, you know, a lot of videos that I've been in have been marked sensitive content. And I'm thinking like wow, like sensitive content. Like I didn't swear. I didn't like they're really they're sensitive content uh, or, or they've been demonetized or that bothers me much less. We've had videos, discussions about ways to talk to people who are vaccine hesitant, penalized in some way, like actually no, the person who had the video on their channel was asked to take it down. That's really frustrating. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't know what to do. Other than say, you have to have some kind of re- of a revolt of values. You have to have enough, a critical mass of enough people who value letting contrarian ideas out there and having them torn asunder or not torn asunder or maybe winning in the end, like the lab leak hypothesis. Like, but we just don't, we're so far from that now. And it seems to me like we just keep getting farther and farther from it. Maybe our focus has to be on the younger kids and the and the goal realistic goal has to be three generations from now why three i think it's too late for this generation and um if if the kids that we teach now yeah maybe it's maybe one generation from now I, I don't know if we teach the younger kids now and they they have a better chance they're less ingrained with their pattern of thinking than older people so it seems like it's more more opportunity yeah i wonder i wonder if you don't solidify the value of discourse and reason and formulating beliefs in the base of evidence and changing your mind, I don't know how that value would be solidified. And even if you did solidify, it would have to be open to further revision or you'd be guilty of doing Mm -hmm. the very same thing that you're accusing other people of doing. And so I wonder if it's just 
we're all subject to the natural ebbs and flows of intellectual history, and there's really nothing you can do about it. Yeah, I guess all we all we can do is try, and that's that's what we're doing. Yeah, that's about all anybody can ever do. One thing I noticed recently is in Australia we have you probably have this in the US, but um, someone was telling me they've got a friend who who's an anti-vaxxer. He's been in, um, in protests, etc. But he has a government contract. He invested about $100,000 in getting his government contract. Anyway, the government told him that um, if your workforce isn't vaccinated, you're, we're not continuing with the contract. Mm. How long do you think it took for him to get vaccinated? I don't know. A day? Yeah, a day. Mm. Yeah. And it's like sometimes the carrot and stick approach works. It's pleasure and pain. Yeah, even in those circumstances, I'm... That's why you need street epistemology, because you would need street epistemology to know if you had sufficient evidence to be vaccinated in the first place. And I don't even know enough to know what that evidence would be. I'm like totally ignorant. And I think I think the acknowledgement that somebody doesn't know, they should be applauded for that. Because we have so many people pretending to know things they don't know, and it gets worse when they're in the academy and they have doctorates. And then, you know, James Randi would talk about that. So we, we, have, we have a crisis of legitimacy. We have almost a recipe, as my kids used to say, for opposite day, opposite land. We're in opposite land. We're, we're working, we're almost actively working in concert against our own flourishing at this point. But the other thing, the good news is we know exactly the way out of it. We know that the, the way out of it, when, you know, as Reed and I have talked about, if that Jonathan Routes talks about, if you don't kill hypotheses, you kill people. So we know the way out of this whole thing is to value discourse across divides and to teach people, to give people a model and to teach them how to do that. But what we don't know is to how, how to get them to value that in the first place. That's a marketing question, I guess. Is it educational marketing? Partially. Yeah. For many groups, it's a threat to think in such ways, and yeah, they know it. Yeah, because it's going to bring them pain. Because they don't have they don't have sufficient reason or evidence to warrant what they believe. If they did, they'd just present the evidence. But then there's that idea of, I don't need evidence. I have lived experience. That's my evidence. Right. So that's what you do. That's what they do. They switch to to something that's that they know is bulletproof. But it's only bullet. It's bulletproof in an illusory way. It's not yeah. bulletproof, right? So many people think it's unassailable because they experienced it. So therefore, it's true to them. Therefore, right. It's it should be true to everybody. You should take my experience seriously because it. This is how I think it happened. Right, but why should we believe their experience is universalizable, or why should we believe know. that their experiences? I mean, that's the insane thing to me. I mean, it just, it just strikes me as so deranged. Believe all women. R really? Like all, mm -hmm. all of them. All of them. Yeah. Believe all yeah. of them. And then yeah. that, are, that slogan or what have you took down many innocent people by the mere accusation. And then people say, okay, well, maybe not all of them. And then it was followed by additional derangements. But every time you point to like defund the police, abolish the police, it was like truly one of the stupidest fucking ideas I've ever heard in my life. And but yet every time you bring that up to people, they'll say to you, "Well, well, what about you know? What about some? 
what about some, what about the white supremacists in you know Iowa? Okay, well, what what about what about them? What, what about what about the lunatics who who raided the Capitol? I was telling read this. What about the lunatics? Okay, well, what about the lunatics who raided? Do they have university posts for life? Are they tenured for life? Are they at every major university in the country? Now, if they are, then we can have a conversation about parallelism and whether they're as much of a threat as the other ideologues occupying these positions. What are your thoughts on um, prioritizing the teaching of epistemology to younger kids so that they can see that there is a problem of perception, there is a problem of induction, they, get, they understand these things at a deeper level? Do you think that's a worthwhile venture? That's a great question. I'll tell you what my dad told me. My dad's dead now. But I'll tell you what he told me when I, taught, when I asked him that question. When I didn't ask him, I told him. I said, you know, we really need to start teaching, teaching this stuff in elementary school, epistemology, proper ways of thinking, methods of arriving at conclusions, how people know things, self-examination. My dad laughed at me, at me, and he said, we can't even teach him how to read. So I, don't, I, I think we're a long, long way from that conversation. But I do think the good news is that our traditional institutions are being deconstructed right now at rapid rates. And so I do think you're going to find new institutions. In fact, I'm, I'm part of one that's emerging in Austin that's not public yet, but will be, I think, this week. I think you're going to find programs in epistemology for young kids. I think you're going to find things like the children's book, hopefully that I'll, someone's going to read it. Um, that 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 harken back not to conservative or traditional values, but to ancient values. Like, you, it's a very it's a very un, unwoke idea that you can possess the truth not based on any immutable physical characteristic you have. Like you can rationally you can figure out what's true. Yes. Um, any any final thoughts you guys want to talk about real quick? Just feeling depressed at the moment. Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> Well, it is like an uphill battle. It's like... Well, we're losing the culture war. Yeah. We're losing the culture war. We're, the forces of censoriousness and illiberalism are winning. And they're winning... They're, they're not merely winning. They're winning in the largest, most conspicuous ways possible. They're winning in every domain and in every arena. But I would argue to you... What the fuck is being depressed about that going to do? You need to fight mm. back. Yeah. Right? You, you need yeah. to, a, a phrase we don't uh, use anymore, we, you need to man up. Right? Yeah. That just means we all need to work harder. We don't capitulate to that. You know, when Conor McGregor or yeah. someone loses a, a fight or, you know, if I lose a debate or whatever, what, what point is it to just throw in the towel and say, well, you know, no. I mean, you need to learn from that and you need to move on. That's what success yeah. is. And so if we all quit because we're losing the culture war, then the fall of the empire would be, it would be more expeditious and more conspicuous. And the damage that it would do will be far greater because our institutions will be weaker and more vulnerable. But, I mean, it really is... You just you really don't need that many people saying the emperor has no clothes. You know, Jody Shaw's done it. Paul Rossi's done it. In, in the educational arena, there are other arenas. You just, this guy that I was talking to was telling me, I don't know if I was telling Reed this or not, but his daughter goes to the same school that Paul Rossi's did, Grace Church or something in New York. And uh, he was telling me, he was complaining, everybody's a coward. You know, nobody's going to speak out about this. 
but I'm a coward too. I don't want to speak about, about it. And every time I talk to the parents, they all think this is insane. I've talked to every parent, but they've managed to successfully create a culture of fear now so that nobody will say anything. And mm. so the question is, how do you encourage people to speak boldly, to speak truth in the face of danger, to say, you know what? I don't think this is true. And yeah, there will be consequences to that. But you know what? What the fuck kind of life you want to lead? You you want you want to be a you want to be a coward your whole life, or do you want to speak up and try to make a change? Because we know the solution to this. I mean, this is not this is not complicated. It's the least complicated thing in the world. Oh my god! Now I got you guys really depressed. Holy shit! <laughs> no, I'm actually pumped to go out and do some more videos. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it, we we have yeah. to be honest about the nature of the problem, and we have to be honest about its severity. And, you know, I see people's newsletters. Oh, you know, this is great. We're winning this battle. We're winning this battle. Yeah, you're winning battles on mohills, right? You're winning battles on mohills when the entire media infrastructure, every time I turn on NPR, I used to listen to NPR constantly. It's all, it's a, it, the whole thing is a derangement syndrome. It's a conspicuous yeah. pumper outer of, of a very specific brand of ideology right now. It's, it's so true. There's this guy in Australia, Ali, and I forget the name of his YouTube channel, but he started up a YouTube channel by just going down to protests and um, promoting the anti-vaxxer sentiment. And he's got a million views each video, right? And you compare that to the street epistemology videos, you know, what do we get? hundred views, 200 views. It's like, why is he attracting this? It's like, you know, I'll tell you why, because it's hard work to do what you do and be good at it. It's yeah. easy to not revise your mind. In fact, it's effortless to not change yeah. your opinion or revise your mind. You lose mm. social capital. You lose face. There's a built-in mechanism to not want to do that. But as long as we don't encourage the value of, you know, what I say in the book, doxastic openness or, or being open, and we're dealing... I mean, that's why the vaccine thing... It, it, or, you could call it anti-vaxxer, you could call it vaccine hesitancy, you can call it what have you, but applying those tools, street epistemology to those tools, I think would be remarkably fruitful. It's often the most difficult conversation that yield the most rewards. Mm. All right, I've got a jet, I've got to catch an Uber. Uh, I appreciate it, guys. Awesome. Nice, nice meeting you. Right on, man. And we'll right. see you guys. Yeah.